Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the ultimate guide to simplifying and decluttering your life which is a series all about exploring the different systems and resources at our disposal so that we can free up space, whether that's mental or physical, energy and time for the things that are actually important to us. So we're looking at different ways to establish intentional, purposeful relationships with the things that we allow into our space in such a way that hopefully enhances and supports our well-being self-expression, productivity, and overall enjoyment of life. And removing the things that are a constant source of clutter, overwhelm, or even that drain us in some way. The specifics of this process and what it looks like for each person, of course, will be very different, as well as where we fall on the minimalism to maximalism spectrum. But this series is all about just sharing some of the things that have been helpful for me on my journey to simplifying my life. And in part one of the series, we covered simplification systems and resources for health, finances, the digital space, and just general life organization. In part two today, we'll be looking at more so the things that occupy our physical space, so things like shopping and our closet and style and also our hair care skincare beauty routines and how I've been formatting this series is to look at each category and identify and talk a little bit about the source of overwhelm and then share a simplification system or resources that have helped me to essentially respond to and alleviate that sense of overwhelm. Because there is a lot of information and resources shared throughout this series, I'll be sure to link everything in the show notes. I'll also leave timestamps in case you want to skip to a specific section. And then I also mentioned that I'll have a Substack post live by the time this series is up. And so that way you have sort of a written component to go along with the series. Okay, so the first category I want to delve into is the consumption of material goods. So in the last episode, we kind of talked more about digital consumption, but this category is more so in the realm of shopping. And this is an activity that honestly has been a source of overwhelm for me for as long as I can remember. Not only that, but I would say that some of my behaviors in this category of shopping have obviously sort of spilled over into my physical space simply as a result of having too much stuff. And 
The source of overwhelm for me in this category is pretty simple. It's never feeling like I have enough or that I have the quote right things, which of course is perpetuated by a society that entices us to consume and reinforces this feeling of never having enough. Now, as some of you know, I went to school for business and when this all kind of really clicked to me and I was able to have a little bit of perspective on how I came to have this relationship with shopping was predominantly in the marketing courses I took and then being immersed in the world of marketing and advertising after university. It was then that I realized sort of how methodical and strategic marketing is and how it's intentionally built to appeal to certain aspects of our psychology through tactics like creating false urgency or scarcity or even invoking the fear of missing out. And interestingly, I actually remember an old boss of mine bought this marketing book for me. I don't remember the title, but it was something to do with the psychology of sales. And even that book was incredibly eye-opening because I could see so many of the tactics from that book being used in everyday marketing that I was interacting with as a consumer. And not to go too deep into it, but another thing that I learned that was really eye-opening when I was kind of working in a marketing position was about this idea of remarketing or retargeting, which I imagine many of you are likely familiar with, but It's basically that thing when you think your phone is listening to you because all of a sudden you're getting a bunch of ads for something that maybe you were just talking about with a friend or that you just clicked on one product and now you're getting all sorts of different ads. Remarketing is a tactic that makes the whole world of online shopping operate so well. Basically, anytime you interact with a product or a brand, you're tagged by a tracking system so that the brand can continue marketing to you and targeting you well after that initial interaction and also across different mediums. So maybe you saw this product on Google and now you're seeing it on YouTube and Instagram and your browsing behavior may even be picked up by competitors of that brand. So you'll start getting ads from similar products to the initial one you were looking at. I say all this to kind of come to the conclusion that What I've been able to observe both in myself, because no, I'm not immune to it despite having sort of an understanding of how these things work, so I've been able to observe this both in myself and others, is that good marketing has the ability to put us into a state of almost hypnosis where we're not even really conscious as we're making purchasing decisions. And with online shopping being so accessible and convenient, The barriers for interrupting that sort of unconscious cycle are next to none. And the efficacy of the cycle of consumption is actually kind of scary to me, especially when I consider that, you know, we'll work jobs, we hate to get more of what we've been made to feel we need, but really isn't enhancing our lives in any way. Before I get too ahead of myself, though, I said this about sort of the digital space is I'm not preaching eliminating shopping altogether. That would be 
hypocritical and disingenuous because obviously I am in that cycle myself. But if you're anything like me and you do feel overwhelmed by the constant kind of opportunities to buy more and maybe even feel powerless in interrupting the cycle of consumption, then I'm going to share some strategies that have helped me. Does this mean I never buy things for myself? Absolutely not. But using some of the strategies I'm going to share, I feel more in control of my shopping habits and feel more empowered as a consumer. And it's something that I have to kind of consciously work at because it's so easy to fall back into that sort of hypnotic state or cycle. So what I'm really aiming for here is establishing behaviors and systems to feel more in control of my shopping habits and to increase my discernment as a consumer and feel more empowered in my purchasing decisions. Okay, so let's get into some of the strategies. We kind of talked about limiting intake of information in part one of this series as being helpful in simplifying and reducing overwhelm. And similarly here, I think about how can I reduce my intake of information or content that is encouraging me to consume? Put another way, how can I reduce the access that marketers have to me as a consumer? Okay, so strategy number one, we have unsubscribe from newsletters. I mentioned leave me alone in last week's episode for the digital cleanse. That's a good one here. And I usually use that once just to do a big cleanse and then I manually will unsubscribe if anything else kind of trickles through, but it just kind of tackles a lot at once. Another good one is ad blockers. I just use the standard one on Chrome, but actually, and I don't know too much about this, but I have heard people talking about specific browsers that don't advertise to you. They don't remarket to you. So you're not put into a tagging system, for example, and then you're not going to be followed with ads for things that you're browsing. The only one that I know of is called Brave. And I know about that because Jamie uses it. But if you're using Google Chrome, one thing that you can do is you go to My Ad Center. So you can just Google My Ad Center and it will take you to that page for your own account if you're logged in. And you can turn off personalized ads. As for social media, I see there being kind of two sides to this influencers versus brands. Now, I generally don't follow many brands at all on social media, or if I do, they're usually muted in the case of Instagram. If I'm scrolling on my Instagram feed and I see an ad that I don't want to see again, there's that feature where you can click the three dots in the right-hand corner of the post and then select hide ad. As for influencers, I feel like the important thing here is to be able to discern when someone actually likes and uses something that they're promoting and I feel like I can sniff this out because of my job and being presented with opportunities to promote products that don't really align to me and what would be required of me in order to put an ad out about that. I can kind of feel that energy from other people and maybe you can too. I feel like it's probably pretty obvious but I think what usually lands for me if it's coming from an influencer is when they've talked about a product 
for a while and now they have a paid ad with that brand or maybe something they've featured they now have an affiliate link for, that's where I'm a little bit more open-minded and interested in recommendations versus if something is clearly a one-off and being read from a script. Don't get me wrong, I know that's part of the job and I'm not saying like people shouldn't do that ever. I'm just saying that that type of ad is something that I'm very unlikely to buy from and it's something that if I'm seeing a lot of it from a specific person that I follow I'll probably unfollow them because it's just getting a lot of information to potentially consume something that this person isn't even really that interested in. Now the next thing to think about is establishing a system to kind of interrupt that unconscious buying behavior that we talked about. And this doesn't mean, okay, I'm never going to buy anything again. I've tried that. It didn't go well for me. I was not successful. It's more so about those things that we really don't need or even want that we end up buying and then they're consuming our physical space. And we feel kind of like icky about it too because we didn't even really feel like an active participant in that purchasing decision. And What I notice is that in the moment of wanting to buy something, there's often a heightening of that feeling of urgency or that I need it and I need it now. That in my case often isn't logical. A lot of what I can convince myself I need in a moment, I'll soon honestly forget about if I don't make the purchase when that wave is at its peak. So if we're talking about introducing some buffers to our purchasing behaviors the first one I think would just be time and if I'm still thinking about something after I've let that wave pass then that's probably something I actually really want and would get use out of or would enhance my life in some way but interestingly a lot will fall off after that wait period we're going to talk more about her in a minute but I also really like Alison Bornstein's seven questions to ask before making a purchase now she uses them specifically as it relates to style and the closet, but I think they can be generalized for any purchase. Okay, so question number one, do I get a deep down full body yes when I see this item? And if the answer is no, obviously you don't need to introduce any more buffers. You can just leave it at that. The second question is, will this make my life easier or more efficient or more enjoyable in some way? Number three, do I already have something that serves the same purpose? If so, when would I use this new item? This is a big one for me because I feel like for me personally, I tend to actually buy duplicates of things because obviously I'll like a specific product and I want to get maybe a couple more of those things. But asking like, do I really need additional variations of this same product the fourth question in her series is would i be willing to give up something i already have in order to have this item number five will i have to purchase something else in order to use this item so that one is kind of interesting because it's like okay let's say i'm spending 50 dollars on an item But in order to use that item or to wear it, for example, I'm going to have to spend another $100. Am I prepared to now spend $150? Number six, do I actually like this item or would it integrate into my lifestyle or my personal style? Or 
Is it maybe just something that works for someone else but doesn't actually suit me? And then question number seven is, is this item something I can see myself using next year? And I don't necessarily think we need to run through all of these questions every single time. I certainly don't. But the idea here is just having that discernment or pause before entering that sometimes unconscious cycle of consumption. And then just some other tips that have helped to reel in my consumption behaviors. So number one, creating a list of things that I've purchased that have actually brought me joy or enhanced my life in some way. And for me personally, that list is actually quite short. It makes me realize that of all the things that I buy, very few actually contribute to that feeling of joy or enhance my life in some way. And so I can be a little bit more mindful of that. The other reason I think this is really helpful is I can look at the things that are on that list And I can try to get to the root of why I feel that these have been impactful purchases and understanding my values as a consumer. For my list, for example, what I kind of pick up from seeing my favorite purchases is I really gravitate towards things that make my life more convenient and comfortable in a way that is very noticeable. Another tip would be doing a no-buy or even a low-buy period where you only really spend money on necessities, so, you know, food and maybe toiletries or things like that, and you could do that for a week or a month. This is actually something that is extremely challenging for me. It's something that I always, in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I could easily do that, and then I try, and I'm always surprised by how big of a challenge it is, but it shows me just how kind of... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ingrained that cycle is in my routine and how it feels frustrating to kind of try to interrupt it. Another one is more so about buying things on sale and sort of having the philosophy that if I didn't want it before it went on sale, I probably don't want it that badly. I try to only really buy things that have gone on sale that I already wanted and then that's just an opportunity to get it for a cheaper price. And one last little thing, I don't know the psychology behind why this is helpful, but it really works and I've talked to other people who say this works as well, which is that let's say you're feeling the urge to shop and you open up an online store, something that can be really satisfying is adding every single thing you see that you want to your cart or maybe even just creating a list of every single thing that you want and kind of just letting it sit there. For some reason, that for me soothes that need to kind of consume in some way and a lot of the times I'll see the cart and I'll just be like yeah you know what I'm gonna leave this and then I kind of forget about it. Moving on to the next category this is very much connected with shopping but we're gonna get a little bit more specific here and talk about our closet and I want to talk about this one before we go to the next two categories because the system that I've begun to follow in the style and closet department is something that could easily be applied to other things that take up physical space. So in our homes, bedrooms, skincare cabinets, all of which we're going to discuss next. I mentioned Alison Bornstein a minute ago, and she is the creator of this system that we're going to talk about. I actually have a full episode, if you remember, and also a YouTube video on how I implemented her system to kind of simplify my closet, so I'll leave both of those in the show notes as well. Before we get into the simplification system, I want to speak to some of the factors that led to that feeling of overwhelm and clutter in my closet. And the first thing which I never really appreciated contributed to my feeling of overwhelm is not feeling in touch with my personal style. So my closet never really felt complete because I wasn't really connected to this idea of having a closet that was a reflection of me and being intentional, bringing in pieces that expressed some aspect of my personal style. My closet for a period there just started to become crowded with random things that again maybe looked good on someone else that I bought on a whim or even something I bought because it was a trend and looking at that cluttered disorganization of my closet on a daily basis and often as the way I started the day really had an impact on my headspace not to mention the choice overwhelm. So let's talk about the system that has helped me to declutter and simplify my closet and really has helped to streamline the process of getting dressed as a whole so it's not consuming so much time and mental energy. So there are two systems that we're going to discuss here. They're both based on Wear It Well, which is Alison Bornstein's book. So she obviously goes into a lot more detail in that book and I also have an episode on it which I'll leave in the show notes but I just want to go through them sort of briefly. So the first system is one that actually helps with the process of going through and decluttering the closet, and it's called the closet editing system. So kind of at a high level, 
you take out all of the items that you wear on a regular basis, and then you take out all of the items that you never wear. And with this kind of pile of items that you never wear, you create three separate piles. The first is clothes that you're going to donate, sell, or give away. The second pile is the clothes that you're going to put away for now, but you're going to come back to later. So maybe they're seasonal clothes, or in my case, clothes that don't fit me right now because I'm pregnant and they don't really need to be taking up space in my closet, but I can put them in a separate space. And then the third pile is sort of the hows, meaning that you don't really know how to style them, but you like to keep them in your closet. From there, she has you see if you can reintegrate the hows, meaning the ones that you don't know how to style, back into your closet with something that you wear on a regular basis. And then the final step would be just organizing anything that you're going to put back into your closet. So maybe you've found a few of those how pieces that you're going to bring back in and your regulars and just organizing them if you want by color and category and if you can hang things so they're easy to see and access. And then the second of the two systems helps to get a little bit more connected with your own personal style so you can have that more intentional, purposeful relationship with your style and your closet. So you're not always feeling like you have to chase this idea of what a perfect closet looks like or find pieces that other people have and feel like you need to integrate them into your style in some way. Allison refers to this system as the three-word method, so essentially choosing three words to define your style. Word one is just a word to describe your current style and how you can come up with this is just looking at all those pieces you pulled out of your closet and you identified that you wear very regularly, looking at those and kind of coming up with a word to describe those pieces. Word number two is aspirational so maybe for this you could look at your Pinterest board, people that you follow and try to pick up any themes of how you kind of wish to dress from an aspirational perspective or what your future self dresses like. And then number three is what she refers to as your emotional word. So asking yourself, really, how do you want to feel in your clothing? And the three words that I came away with were casual, classic, and comfortable. And what I realized was that I would always buy in my comfort zone. So in that current category a lot of casual clothing leaving me with a lot of options and variety there but not as much of that aspirational style so not as many classic pieces I kind of made a pact with myself to limit spending and buying in the casual category and be really intentional about what I would bring into my closet trying to focus on those more dressed up classic pieces. What I would also say is using this system and going through the closet editing process has also created a little bit more of a buffer to following trends and shopping for clothes in general because I'm more connected to and thoughtful about what I actually want taking up space in my closet and the type of things that I actually am going to wear. And again, seeing that never pile really helped me to identify, on the other hand, those shopping habits where I'd go for things that I never ended up wearing. The next category is somewhat of an extension of the closet and style category. 
in that I notice very similar behaviors as what I described about the closet in my relationship to skincare, hair care, and beauty in general. Because I moved recently, I was forced to do that dreaded task of going through all of my beauty products, at least it's dreaded for me, and it was such an eye-opener and made me really want to shift things in this department. With things like beauty products, I feel like it's so much easier to just shove them into the back of a cabinet and not have to look at them, but my personal intention, especially after moving, was to get into the habit of regularly cleaning out or organizing these spaces. I'm not sure if anyone else can relate, maybe this is just me, but honestly, even just the awareness that I have those drawers or cabinets or closets in my space that contain a bunch of junk weighs on me, even if I'm not looking at it every single day. I think it's just knowing that there's a lot of unnecessary items in my space and recognizing that my shopping habits may be contributing to the accumulation of those things. And yes, it can be easy to shove things away and forget about them. But for me, it's the knowledge that my future self is going to have to deal with this. So I could just deal with it now and it doesn't have to become this huge overwhelming task. And similar to what I said with the closet, my relationship with beauty in the past has always kind of felt like I'm one product away from having perfect skin or perfect hair, for example. So going through the cabinets where I keep my beauty products helps me to see just how much I accumulate when I operate on that narrative and let it run uninterrupted. I just end up with so many different products and duplicates of things that you know, worked for someone else, but that I don't even end up really using myself. When it comes to a simplification system for the beauty category, it kind of comes down to two things for me. Number one, having a system for decluttering and clearing beauty cabinets and products. And then number two, having a system for interrupting the buying cycle so we don't end up back in that exact same cluttered place that we started. Okay, so let's start with the first, decluttering. Now, for this one, I actually follow almost the exact same system as what I described in the closet section, and you could do this with all of your beauty products and tools at the same time, or do it one at a time, so skincare, hair care, makeup, for example. So first things first, taking out all the products that I use on a daily basis. For me, that's actually very few. I'm now somewhat kind of committed to only buying these things because I know I like them and I know that they work and I don't need to keep switching it up. In fact, I probably shouldn't keep switching it up for the sake of my skin. So again, take out all the products that I use, then take out all the products that I never use and decide what I'm going to get rid of, what I'm going to put in that not now pile. So putting them maybe somewhere else where they're not taking up space and what I'm looking at every single day. I usually don't go as far as creating a how pile for this category, but you could. Let's say you wanted to find a way to incorporate a specific lip color that you never wear, but you'd like to, for example. And then just reorganizing and categorizing the cabinet in a way that makes sense to you, that's easy to access everything, and that's easy to actually see what you already have. I personally love using little crate organizers for this and just setting it up in a way that's functional. As for interrupting the buying cycle, I actually think this is a good opportunity 
for those purchase buffer questions I mentioned earlier. So asking questions like, will I actually use this product? Will this realistically integrate into my routine? And this one is actually important because I feel like when it comes to beauty routines, I'll see someone else use something, I'll buy it, and then I won't actually have asked, like, does this actually make sense for my routine? Is it going to add a lot of time? Because I don't actually want these routines to take up a lot of time. And if I'm purchasing something like, even something like self-tanner, which I just very rarely use, is it actually realistic for me to spend money on this and to see that it's going to fit into my routine? Even something like, do I know how to use this product? And if not, am I willing to learn? Because with beauty and hair care and skincare, sometimes there are specific things that you need to know about certain products. And then most importantly, I think for me, is do I already have a product that serves the same purpose? And then again, if I do, when would I use this one instead? One example of this for me that I noticed I randomly have duplicates of is sunscreens, which really I don't need to have multiple because I kind of only really use one on a daily basis. And so I think for me, buying buffers aren't about never buying anything. They're about actually establishing more intention behind shopping and this whole idea of what we actually need. Need, I think, shouldn't be something we create when we want something. The idea of need is that there is actually space available for that thing that we're going to bring into our lives. Which brings us to our final category in this guide, very generally everything else that occupies our physical space. This is a topic that I could go on about for hours because I've noticed over time that I can be very particular and really quite minimal with physical space. And I also think it's interesting to consider and to talk about when you share space with someone who has a different relationship to their physical space and their belongings. That's a really interesting conversation, in my opinion. But We're not going to get into that today. I did mention in last week's episode that at one point I was kind of extreme with it, not intentionally, but I just had nothing on my walls, had very minimal furniture, and even like my kitchen would have one or two bowls and generally just very few physical belongings. I think part of this for me has been moving so many times and recognizing just how much you can accumulate even in a short period of time. And again, future me is likely going to have to deal with that at some point. I have toned down the minimalism a bit though, because I do understand and have seen the value more recently in curating your physical space and making it your own and making it comfortable. Even little things like lamps and mood lighting for me make such a difference in a space, but I do still err on the side of trying to be as intentional as possible with my space, keeping things clutter-free, and also not feeling like I need to fill all of the space just because it's there. For example, when we moved into our new house, it was like, okay, we have all this space now, but we don't need to be in a rush to fill it all or buy stuff just for the sake of it. As for a simplification system... Again, I would think of physical space in a similar way to the previous two categories. So having a system to, number one, declutter and clear, and then number two, 
introducing some buying buffers. Because the idea of tackling big tasks is daunting for me and I often then avoid said tasks, if I'm decluttering my home, I always like to create a checklist for every single room and then just slowly start working my way down it. It doesn't have to be done all in one day, but for example... I'd write living room, then underneath it, all of the spaces in the living room that I'd want to declutter. So say coffee table, underneath the coffee table, bookshelf. And then I'd just start going through each of these one by one and taking them off as I go. For me, the experience of taking something off, like on a checklist, is really satisfying and kind of gets the momentum going. And I find if I start with really little tasks and break things down, That really helps me to get big jobs like decluttering a house, for example, or an apartment done much faster and in a way that's a lot more pleasant. I also like to turn cleaning and decluttering my space into as much of an enjoyable task as possible. So it's not something I dread when I have to do it. Maybe putting on an audiobook or a podcast, burning a candle or using a diffuser, and even having a nice drink to sip on while I clean. In a way, this is a self-care exercise, so I kind of like to treat it as such. And I find that starting is the hardest part, so if I can just get the ball rolling and maybe starting really small with one single drawer, for example, then once I get going, it's almost addictive. Sometimes I even pretend I'm in a little video game fulfilling my little tasks and I'll almost always have a goodwill or donation basket at the ready too when I do my decluttering and I like to use the momentum to donate those things as soon as possible otherwise even that box might sit there for another few months. If there are particular spaces where you want that sort of structured system to guide the decluttering process you could use some iteration of something like the closet editing system. And I actually think the three-word method could also apply to your space. And in fact, Allison talks about this, about how really you can use it for so many different areas of life, like curating your home and design, again, as a way to feel connected to your own style and not always chasing somebody else's. And then, of course introducing some buying buffers so questions to ask when bringing something into your space so that it's thoughtful and intentional and you're actually responding to your needs through your purchasing patterns well my friends that brings us to the end of part two and the end of this series i actually really enjoyed this i probably could have made a single episode for each category and I realized this as I was recording that I actually have a lot more I could say on each. I think actually something about consumption and marketing would be interesting. So let me know if that's something you'd like to hear because I find it really interesting to discuss. And to sort of summarize the takeaways from this episode, being able to both establish systems to declutter and clear our space as well as introducing buying buffers when we're going to make a purchase, can go a really long way in creating a more intentional relationship with our space and our shopping habits. Which, in my opinion, feels really good to move towards, makes me feel a lot more empowered, and so hopefully you feel the same. As always, 
Thanks for listening to this episode. I have left links for everything in the show notes, and I'll see you in the next one. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.